0: It is the 200 level. My carpenter in the basement studio on a rainy Wednesday. It's it's been kind of a gloomy spring, and it is perfectly aligned with a gloomy into the season for Illinois basketball. And today we're going to turn the page. Well, at the end of the episode, we're going to turn the page. For now, what we're going to do is hear from you. And I'm doing an audio-only podcast. This will be the last time I do this for a while. Um, it, it was hard to time up exactly when to do the live stream. Sometimes it's just easier to come down and, and record, and that's what I'm doing tonight. But what I got out there on Twitter before all of this was a question, and we'll get to these. In one word, describe this Illinois basketball season. That was the question, and a lot of great responses. I'll get to all of these after we hit the sponsors and after the opening segment, but... Suffice it to say, this was a season that I don't think we'll be remembering for a bunch of positives. I think the frustrations, they were sometimes difficult to pinpoint during the season because they were more of the intangible things, meaning the vibe was off. And Derek Piper wrote about this in December, and players on the team seemed to dismiss it and they said, what are you talking about? And sure enough, no, Derek was 100% right, and he was right to call them out on it, and I think we all felt it beginning with that Penn State game, that something was amiss. It didn't get better. If you would have told me this is how things would have unfolded, that Friday night in November when we beat UCLA, and think about what that weekend could have been. You beat UCLA, you damn near beat Michigan in football the next day, and then Virginia, you were leading, I think, in the second half. Oh, what could have been? But that just a couple weeks later would be your high point against Texas, and then you've just kind of fallen off. You have beaten... Three Sweet 16 teams this year. And you could say the two of those were fluky in that they required major comebacks. The Michigan State game, actually all three of them did. What am I talking about? All three of these wins against Sweet 16 teams required major second-half comebacks. The Michigan State one you did with plenty of time left in that game. But UCLA, Texas, uh, you went on these crazy barnstorming runs that really set the stage for expectations to raise. Now, there is a tweet that I'll get to that mentions this, that was it our own expectations that allowed us, excuse me, allowed us to get kind of sucked into this idea that the team was better than they really were. I'm as guilty as anyone of that. I was so excited for this year. I thought that there was something that this team would have and a lack of pressure this team would feel that would allow them to finally break through and make the second weekend of the tournament. I was not saying Final Four, though I, of course, thought about it once or twice after the UCLA and the Texas games that maybe this team could actually be better than the two teams prior in a way, even if they didn't get as many wins. And even though I knew, and you all knew as well, that there would be some bumps along the way, that when all was said and done, this team might end up being better or more dangerous, let's say, than those two teams. Not the case. Not the case. Now, I wanted to start with something a little bit unusual for this podcast. I try to stay away from overt speculation. But sometimes you gotta read the room and you gotta respond to what is going on in the Alani sphere on the internet. And whether that's message boards or Twitter or even texts that you get from friends and just checking in, hey, have you heard this, that, or the other? I'm going to start this by saying I have not heard a darn thing. I have not heard any whispers. I'm not really plugged in when it comes to this kind of stuff. But, of course, as as so often happens with the coaching carousel, Illinois seems to get involved. Whether, you know, to what degree, I guess that depends on the year, but think about two years ago. The coaching carousel for us was the assistants that left Illinois for Kentucky, Chin Coleman and Orlando Antigua. And they haven't really been lighting the world on fire but you understand why they would have went to kentucky it is after all a blue blood now there are all these internet whispers and i'm i'm sure that most of them are completely unfounded but it it's worth just talking about about brad underwood and his future oh texas might be interested maybe but i think jeremy tang is it jerome or jeremy tang from Kansas State would be their top choice, for good reason, because he absolutely killed it this year. He's got the pedigree from coaching at Baylor for that long. Tang would be the number one, two, and three options for Texas. I imagine they land him. Keep in mind, too, Texas is still in the tournament, and their assistant coach, who is well-respected and a good recruiter, what are you going to do, fire a guy if he makes the Final Four? Fire, Fire a guy if he makes the Elite Eight? The furthest Texas has gone in a long time? No. So I don't buy the Texas thing so much. I've seen speculation from, you know, on the message boards and things. Well, what if it happened where Texas gets Jeremy Tang and then Kansas State opens up and Brad Underwood wants to go home? And sure, that might make sense. And here's why I wouldn't completely discount that rumor, because we all feel it. And if you want to accuse me of perpetuating some of the negativity, that's fine, though I try to just call what's in front of me. But there is a heaviness right now with Illinois basketball, and a lot of that is decades worth of institutional knowledge. We are so used to getting kicked in the gonads that we were not all that shocked when Loyola happened. Let's be honest. It was in the pit of our stomachs before that game even started, and then it happened, and it dredged up the worst instincts of a fan base, and until we break through, that will be the story, and it sucks. It's exhausting. It's exhausting for us imagine what it would be like then for a competitor at the level of Brad Underwood who yeah he's getting handsomely compensated but I get the feeling that he probably wanted to win that game a little more than I did and why wouldn't he I mean that season was incredible and for it to end like that I didn't lose any sleep though I was certainly out of it for a good week it just sucked but I didn't lose any sleep over it I'm imagining he probably did And since then, there has been a heaviness. Winning the Big Ten title was one part euphoric and another part just relief for getting a tangible banner after getting screwed over by the Big Ten the year before and losing to Loyola. It felt like we can breathe as opposed to jubilation. Now, there was jubilation. Let me rephrase. But it was tempered by the weight that we felt on our shoulders. Losing to Houston And not really performing well against Chattanooga did not ease the concerns from Loyola, and this year sure as hell didn't either. So imagine you're Brad Underwood. You are not a spring chicken as compared to some of the really young coaching commodities out there. And he's got another good 10, 12 years, I bet, as a coach, which is a pretty long time. And if he stuck it out with Illinois, he would be the most tenured coach, obviously, since Lou Henson. Wouldn't be that or that far off from Lou Henson in terms of totally years coached. And I could see that happening. But I could also see a situation where he says, you know what? Why would I want to deal with the extra pressure of a place like Illinois when I could go, quote unquote, home to Kansas State in the Big 12 and not have people on my butt so much? Now, it would be weird, of course, for Kansas State to poach two-year coaches. That That is true. Uh, but I don't think it's completely ridiculous to think that this could happen if that all shakes out that way. And I wouldn't begrudge him for making a move like that. I don't anticipate that happening. I don't want Brad Underwood to go anywhere because I think you have a pretty good thing going. With all my criticisms, I do think that you can win with this coach and this coaching staff. I do think you can win and accrue talent, especially with the way they have things set up. And I think you will strike gold in the portal again, though hopefully the intangible parts of these guys are a little bit better than what you got from Meyer and Terrence Shannon. But it's okay to have it in the back of your head that, well, if you have a coach that has some success, other teams may look at him. Texas, I don't see it. But if everything shakes out and Kansas State's looking for someone, Brad Underwood would probably be the first name that they'd have on that list. Whether or not he would even entertain it is another question. Which leads to my final point before we get to the sponsors. Let's say this were to happen, and I put the chances of it uh, at pretty low, pretty low percentage chance, just my gut talking here. Again, I have no inside information. I'm just going with the message boards and going with Twitter for a second here. But if it were to happen, I would compare it not to losing Bill Self, but to losing Lon Kruger. Meaning Lon Kruger after Lou Henson really struggled. The last few years got Illinois back to a place of relevancy. He did top 25 relevancy. He won a Big Ten title. He made a run in the Big Ten tournament in 1999, though not quite winning it. He was getting you back to that level of getting four seeds in the NCAA tournament. And if he would have continued on, even though I don't think he would have had quite as good a year as Bill Salt did in 2000-2001, I think he would have found his way to an Elite Eight and made his own run in the NCAA tournament eventually. He's too darn good of a coach to not do that. I would think this would be akin to losing Kruger, not Self. And if you want to hold on to something positive here, if you were to lose a Brad Underwood, you need to feel, I think, better about your prospects of landing a top-notch replacement because you have the facilities. You have Josh Whitman. You have Big Ten money. You have name-image-likeness money up the wazoo. Alani fans are crazy, and some of them are crazy and rich. And this puts you in prime position to succeed no matter who your coach is. I would be bummed. I wouldn't be shocked. But I still would be surprised, if that makes sense. So, let's just get it out there. <laughs> the rumor mill is circulating, and it's all, at this point, completely unfounded. It's okay. For the, it's the off season. What the hell? We're having some fun. And I just thought I'd get that out of the way before I forgot about it. But if you go on the message boards, it's percolating everywhere. And, uh, yeah, let it play out. These two teams, Kansas State and Texas, the ones that would get this coaching carousel in motion, they're still in the tournament. They might make runs here. I mean, Kansas State plays Michigan State. I think Kansas State probably has a pretty good chance of winning that game. Impressive as Michigan State was on Sunday. And I certainly would think that Texas has a great shot of making the Final Four. So if that's what happens, then no one's going anywhere. But if it doesn't, oh boy. Gonna be some tense moments in Iwanai Nation, and that's okay. Oh my God, I just said Iwanai Nation. I've never said that before, I don't think. Not a term I use very much. All right, quick sip of coffee. Hmm, Compelling podcasting, I know. Gotta remind you before we get too far into this, We are brought to you by our good friends at DP Dough, online at dpdough.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdough.com. These guys are the goods. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So whether it's a business lunch or a late-night calzone, you can order a custom zone or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone, online at dpdough.com, and they will deliver it piping hot to your doorstep. That is dpdough.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. If you get a new Lennox Home Comfort System, you can choose between a $500 Visa gift card or a new hot water heater. Pretty damn good deal, I would say so myself, from Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. We also have hey, we got a technician of theirs coming out in a few weeks to check the AC. They were so good when they came back in the fall checking our furnace, which purred like a kitten all winter long thanks to their help. And uh, they are our new HVAC people, and they they should be yours as well. They're really good at what they do. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hanson, online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Unfortunately, didn't get to do one more second half pod with Brian because the season ended fairly prematurely. But we will get him back on next year, maybe even for a football game or two. Uh, that's Brian Hanson. Brian is my guy.com. Great guy. Great podcaster. Look forward to getting him back on, too. Speaking of football, spring practice started. Uh, oh, real quick. Champagne showers podcast network before I forget them. And of course, you, the listeners appreciate it. YouTube will get that going again in a bit. And you can rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. OK, back to football uh spring practice has started and i want to get this out there real quick that on april 20th when we have the spring game i will be tailgating with a brand new 200 level flag oh really excited to get that bad boy in the air it looks great i got it from some company on amazon and it's really sharp and we will be setting up shop in lot 31 and would love to say hi to some of you folks if you happen to be coming the spring game on thursday april 20th so we'll we'll get more details out there and Would just be a nice way to say hi and have a beverage or two before spring football, which I am over the moon about. And we'll be excited to see reports as they come out of camp. And as more of them do, we'll hopefully get a better idea of the new faces. But this threw me for a loop. I guess it makes sense. But 14 All-Big Ten players are back for Illinois? You know, you lost Devin Witherspoon, Quan Martin, Sidney Brown, Chase Brown. That hurts. Tommy DeVito, that hurts, but your lines are back, your front seven is back, your wide receiver uh, extraordinaire, I think is what he's going to be this year, at least Isaiah Williams is back, your specialists are back, I actually feel okay about your specialists, I really do, and I'm excited to see this new punter and see if he can challenge Robertson, but I am excited about this team in this year. And I, I've thought about this. and am I overlooking the major changes you're going to have to make at the quarterback position, namely, and the fact you are losing Chase Brown, and that you're losing a top 10 cornerback in Devin Witherspoon, and that you're losing a, a jack of all trades, Swiss Army knife safety in Sidney Brown? Maybe. But I do think that Brett Bielema showed consistently at this level back at Wisconsin in the Big Ten, in the Big Ten West, essentially. That he has a remarkable ability to sustain, to avoid major dips. And when you have lines coming back like Illinois does, I feel great about this season. I feel good about the schedule, even though Toledo is a tough MAC team, apparently one of the best in the MAC, and at Kansas will not be easy either. But if this team were to start 2-0, coming into that Penn State game, or I guess it's Florida Atlantic and then Penn State, oh boy. Reasons to be excited. I think this team will find their way to seven wins, maybe eight. And that's the kind of follow-up that you need to show that, okay, we got a new floor. I think that's about where they're at. And that's year three. I've said before, and it is an apples and oranges comp right here, but I, I really do feel more optimistic going forward about Bielema than Underwood. Part of it's because he's done it before. Part of it's because he just exudes the vibe of someone that is in full control of their program. And the fact that no one really left. Brian Hightower, yep, you lost him. No one followed Ryan Walters to Purdue. They wanted to stay here. They believe in their head coach. And I think that speaks volumes. Now, and one other thing about football, I need to get out there. Bielman gave his press conference. Always love listening to him. I think Aaron Henry might be a star. And of course that's premature. I get it. We've seen one game from him. And all things considered, I thought the defense played very well in the bowl game with as many key guys that stayed out, well, I say as many key guys, but Devin Witherspoon and Sidney Brown being out meant you had to play a different game. And they decided we're going to drop eight. And while it was something that you just couldn't quite hold on at the end, that's really much more to do with the offense sucking it up that day than the defense. I think Aaron Henry is a star. I love listening to him talk. He just has this it quality about him, and I think the defense will hum. Will it be the number one scoring defense in the country? No, probably not. It doesn't need to be. Will it be top 30? I don't see any reason to think why they wouldn't be. Bring a defensive line back like that, and then you have a few guys in the secondary that are the question marks, but played well in the bowl game against a spread offense. I feel okay about it. Offense, of course, will be the question. We'll broach it plenty as we go forward in the podcast, but I just want to get it out there. I'm feeling good about football. As for basketball, as for basketball, wanted to ask you guys in... Consider this the you know closing of the book. Turning the page on this basketball season to give you all the floor today and let you describe this season in one word. I'm going to go in order of when I got these out there. And I, I said if you wanted to elaborate, go right ahead. Plenty of great, great responses and I'll get through all of these here. So, from Adam. Education is his word. I like this response here, Adam. Hopefully Brad has learned uh, veteran season guards are needed to win in college hoops. Splashy portal NIL guys are great, but if someone can't initiate the offense and get them good shots, it won't matter. I think that's a great way to start here, Adam. And as I think about the positive spin that you could put on a season like this is that we have seen Underwood make macro changes before. The biggest example of that is having to retool his assistant staff after losing his top two, well, top two, all of his assistants after being a one seed and losing to Loyola. I thought, oh, God, that's it. We blew it. It's over. And then he actually, I thought, did his best coaching job yet last season. So I think education is a great word to start with, Adam, and that if if that is, in fact, what happens, there's no reason to think that Brad Underwood can't, get you feeling good about Illini basketball next year with what they do on the court. Uh, I think that the next month will be telling, of course, and that comes down to who leaves and who comes in. But I would agree. Veteran season guards, they're out there, and they don't need to be from a Power 5 school. There are so many studs that are ready to take that next step from a mid-major program or not not Power 5, a group of five, what do they call it, like a Utah with Alfonso Plummer. There's no reason you can't fill the voids with guys like that. Uh, There was a good point, too, that Jeremy and Derek made on their end-of-season podcast that Alfonso Plummer was like the 80th highest-ranked portal guy that year. But he filled the need, and he filled it perfectly. Roger throws out disappointing. Won't be the last one to throw that out there. Didn't elaborate, and some of you just threw out the word, but Mr. Goodwrench did. Disappointing, but expected. If you didn't let your fandom overinflate your expectations. Mr. Goodwrench, I was one of those that, allowed my expectations to be overinflated. I was operating under the assumption, foolish as it was, that, of course, losing Kofi was not addition by subtraction, but that you were not going to be forced to play one kind of basketball. Well, it turns out that kind of basketball is winning basketball because Kofi was absolutely unstoppable his sophomore and junior year. So my fandom overinflated expectations, of course. I was not alone, but I certainly tooted this team's horn on this podcast after the UCLA and Texas games. And even before the season, I kept saying, these guys are going to win the Big Ten. They're going to win the Big Ten. Well, not quite. (laughs) And they didn't even win one game in the NCAA tournament, and they looked really bad down the stretch. Another thing that Jeremy and Derek threw out in their podcast was, it is Bart Torvik is a Ken Palm-esque basketball analytic guy, and Illinois was something like the 70-something best team in the country from February 1st on. They weren't that good. We saw it. We felt it. We knew it. The Michigan game winning that, I think, felt all the more important because it felt like, boy, I'm, I'm surprised we got that one. Because I was. I, I, I would assume that you were, too, that we got that. In double overtime, we were left for dead a couple times in that game. The refs didn't help. I thought Illinois played their butts off that game, and it was the last gasp for that team this season. So Tomahawk responded to, let's see here. I want to make sure I get all these. I don't know if they're in order or not. Okay, Dig says, consistent. In fact, the only thing you can count on this year is that the team would be consistently inconsistent. Stretches of grandeur combined with maddening stretches of incompetency. Dreaming of the final four and fearing the bubble within the same 40 minutes every night. Yes. And Andrew, if there's a better response, well, we'll see. But consistent. In fact, they were consistently inconsistent. And it is the the pendulum that swung so violently between, as you say, stre- stretches of grandeur and maddening stretches of incompetency. It wasn't from grandeur to, oh, they don't look all that great. It was grandeur to crap. And that was alarming, and it was jarring, and it was because of that inconsistent, consistent inconsistency, that This felt like such a disjointed year. Every time I tried to love this team, I said this multiple times, I wanted to love them. I so wanted to, and they just pushed me away over and over. They don't owe me a damn thing. They don't. I know sometimes I talk, and it sounds like I'm an entitled fan, and I think some of us all have stretches like that, but I really wanted to love them. I I really did, and gosh darn it, it just never quite coalesced. And Tomahawk responds to Andrew's tweet saying, you stole the word right from me. They were exactly who we thought they were in spite of the annoying hope that they would ever get it together to make a run. Consistently and consistent. You know, to that uh, that response there, I was thinking how with football two years ago when Bielema started, I said consistent competence. I wanted that to be the mantra or the mantra. How do you say it? Either way. I felt like after the Nebraska win two years ago, Brett Bielema's debut, I thought, oh God, this is it. This is con, uh, consistent competence. Well, then they went two and four to start the year. But then to end it, winning what, three of their last five or whatever it was, I think they were two and five, and then they finished five and seven, that they became consistently competent. And if you think about this team this year, they were consistently competent in year two for football, I'm talking and that is remarkable it is reasons to be optimistic that the bottom is not necessarily going to fall out even finishing one and four in the last five you were damn close to winning a couple of those games for sure so back to basketball c vance 1988 let me get some water here sorry guys c vance says as jeremy and piper have said a roller coaster something was just missing all year long look at us complaining about a 21 season hey It is a good position to be in, right, to be complaining, for lack of a better word, about a 21 season. Though I think, C-Vance, you and I and others, it's not complaining so much as it is voicing, I think, valid concerns because it was more than the record. If it was just the record, you'd say, oh, well, they didn't quite reach the heights, you thought. But it was living through that year that I think raises a few questions as to, okay, what the heck was going on? under the surface, away from the court that kept this thing from coming together. Matt has maddening, and he has two tweets following it up. It was maddening that we continue to throw lazy cross-court passes like the other team wasn't there. It was maddening that we didn't pressure defense when we knew that was our best chance. It was maddening that we didn't push the tempo instead of stand around. It was maddening that the coaching staff kept running out the starting five that sent us down 10 points in the first five minutes of every game. I wholeheartedly agree with that. It was maddening that the guys continued to shoot long step-back threes when we didn't make many of them. It was maddening that guys drove one on four. Uh, Matt, I think that's pretty spot on. I have mentioned, and I think this is true, that Brad Underwood pushed a lot of buttons this year. But the question is, did he push them enough, and did he push them quickly enough or often enough? And I think the answer to that is no. To me, the straw that broke the camel's back is the second half of the Arkansas game throwing the same starting five out there. Why? And yeah, you got it within five because Coleman and Terrence had a pretty good two-man game going on. <clears throat> but that starting five was not going to be the one to bring you all the way back in that game. It, that, that's just stupid. I'm sorry. It's just not sound. And in that game, you got to be desperate. And if they would have been desperate earlier, they might have won the freaking thing. But they didn't. And here we are. Jared says, disappointing. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Allergies. More questions than answers. We had a great recruiting class on paper of transfers, but they didn't fit. And Underwood couldn't slash wouldn't fix it. Will he be able to find the right guys and push the right buttons going forward? This season made me less confident. And Jared, it made me less confident too. This was not a good trial run for the post-Kofi era. And if he goes out and is targeted in his approach with portal guys and he gets the point guard you need and a shooter you need, hopefully with more than just one year of eligibility, and they're out there, they're, they're, there are the sophomores in the portal that are ready to go, ready to make that next step, then I will be more confident. But I think that, Jared, it is okay to admit that our confidence was shaken a little bit because it was at a really high level. After the last two years, even after last year, after losing to Houston, we all looked at each other and we try to give the team the benefit of the doubt. Houston is great. That is true. We still look like garbage for that game, but Houston is great. They might win the title this year, but we gave Brad the benefit of the doubt and said, okay, now let's see your team and your image and see how it goes. And yeah, I think it is appropriate at the least to feel less confident. That doesn't mean you jump ship. And I think it does bear repeating every now and then that saying that you are less confident in Brad Underwood does not mean that you want him fired or that you want him to take the Kansas state job. <laughs> if that's how it shakes out, I don't want that, but I, I do have questions. Steven says predictable. Major roster turnover in youth means you mainly win home games in the big and you lose on the road. Youth at guard positions equals less success in March. Totally fair, Steven. And if I were to look back on a complete miscalculation on my part, it was that I, said, ah, you know, you might have two freshmen at point guard, but everything else is so good you'll be able to overcome that. It was a bit of puffing out of my own chest. But you got to keep in mind, too, after the UCLA and Texas games, national media guys, their eyes were open like, whoa, this Illinois team is ahead of schedule. And then everything fell apart. So, And and it was never 100% put back together. You took advantage of a very easy schedule in January. And credit to them, they did, right? But you also never quite conjured up the mojo that you were feeling early in the season. Brian says roller coaster. So we got two roller coasters here. Tim says sloppy. First time I've seen that, but very fair. Anthony says theatrical. This season is going to be known for constant off court antics that spilled into the team dynamics. This includes Sky Clark, alleged fights. And Matthew Myers' aura—there was some aura, wasn't it, with him? Theatrical is a great word, Anthony, and it was—and it was too theatrical. And there's another word that starts with T coming up that I think really hits this. But it didn't need to be as theatrical as it was. It didn't need to be feel as if there were so many sideshows going on. And some of those you can't control. You know, the Jaden Epps getting a concussion—you can't control. But the problem is, when you feel like things are relatively out of control, then, like me, perhaps irresponsibly, I go on Twitter and I'm like. Oh, Jesus. Again, another concussion. What are they doing in practice? Of course, people jumped all over my ass about that, maybe rightly so, but we wouldn't be asking these questions if there weren't so much theater going on in the first place. Why all this stuff? It is not happening at other schools to this degree. I don't think at least. All right, Ace says dysfunctional. So not disappointing, but dysfunctional. Though it might be both for him, but dysfunctional is a good word for it. Lance says, experiment. Disappointing would be every year that we don't get to at least the sweet 16. Too easy to call the year disappointing. I hope, Lance, it was an experiment and one that they learned from. Aaron says, inconsistent. I know that might be too simple and obvious, but it's true. I don't think so, Aaron. I think that's simple and obvious is simple and obvious for a reason. It was inconsistent. Patrick says, bipolar. Fair." It, you got a spectrum, and that pendulum went, like I said, violently. It was a violent swing. It was never just easy-peasy in the middle. Isabella, here's the word I like here. Another T word, not theatrical, but tumultuous. It was tumultuous, and that was the word I kept coming back to the last month of the season. Tumult, I think is how you say it. Tumult? I, <laughs> I would say to people, and I always would trip over this word, there's too much tumult, tumult going on with this team. It, it was tumultuous because of all the outside noise, and it felt like it was impacting the on-court performance. It got exhausting, which is actually what Jacob said for his word. Exhausting. You could see the potential that was never fully realized due to a number of circumstances, injuries, poor play, coaching, and attitude. I want to linger on this word for a second, Jacob. Exhausting, because it, it was. The last game was exhausting. I had parent-teacher conferences when we lost to Penn State, so I I can't really speak to that one. But, oh boy, the NCAA tournament game was a drag. It was a total drag. And by the end of it, I just wanted to well I have a drink, and I did, and take a nap. Basketball shouldn't be like that. And you could say that we feel that because of the Loyola game, and I I know that's a part of it, but just for the on-court product, I wasn't thinking so much about the Loyola game for the two hours that I saw Illinois stink up the joint against Arkansas. And for that matter, I wasn't thinking too much about it during the Chattanooga game when they stunk it up for two hours and then they somehow won, thanks to some late heroics. I think I'll, uh, I think Alfonso Plummer hit a late three and Hawkins got the key, the key block. But if you ask me what else happened in that game, I can't really tell you. These NCAA tournament games have been exhausting. The, the four previous games have been bad if that doesn't shake your confidence and make you ask questions i don't know what will and you could say that well it's a crapshoot listen crapshoot means all things being equal a few things just didn't go your way but all things haven't been equal and the exhausting part of this that jacob mentions really circles down to the tournament performance and this year was just another line and a row of stinkers I know the Big Ten wasn't good in the tournament anyway, but other than Purdue looking lethargic, I thought, against Fairleigh Dickinson, I thought every other Big Ten team at least played their asses off, and I couldn't even say that about Illinois for half the game, or at least players on the team, so exhausting is right, Jacob. I mean, if people were to listen to this podcast, they think all of Illini Nation—I use that term again, Jesus—all the Illini Fandom— It's just a bunch of negative Nancy's, but it's okay for, let me get this out of the way. It is okay for your expectations to change. If someone wants to throw out that, of course, things are better than John Gross, well, no kidding. But that doesn't mean that we turn this sort of cultish admiration of a coach that is yet to get to the second weekend of the tournament. Appreciate what he's done as we should, and as I do. Underwood has done a remarkable job making Illinois basketball relevant again, and that cannot be argued. But going forward, does he have what it takes to continue the climb, to put you back in positions to have March success? That's the question. Not has he been successful so far? Because by most measurable, Metrics. Of course, he has been, and wildly so when you consider what he inherited. But we don't need to do the, oh, remember the John Gross era? Because guess what? It is not Mike Thomas as your athletic director. If you ever get in a position where you need to make a change, it's not going to be a repeat of the John Gross coaching search or the Tim Beckman coaching search. That kind of talk is what I'm seeing on Purdue boards because they're afraid to move on from Matt Painter. And I get it. I do. But I don't, because I would want him gone after that game alone. I mean, honestly, it was that bad. I would want him gone. I would be just done, and regular season games are now rendered meaningless over there. A complete laughing stock. laughingstock. It almost pisses me off that they lost that game, but it really doesn't. It's a beautiful thing. But you look at some of their message boards, and there are so many fans that say, well, uh, but uh, we can't do better. I don't know. Maybe that's you, Purdue. And Purdue might be right. I don't think they maybe can do better than another Gene Cady or Matt Painter retread, but Illinois can. And just because Mike Thomas botched it, and just because Ron Gunther didn't probably make the best hire after Bill Self, that doesn't mean that Josh Whitman's gonna screw it up either. So just throwing it out there, if a change ever has to be made, or if a change, you know, whether it be a few years from now, Underwood falls on his face, and you gotta make a change, or something shakes out in the carousel this year, I trust the athletic director. I really do. Greg says stymied. Good one, Greg. I like that. TLR gone says underwhelming. Another good choice. Joe says dramatic, which goes right in line with theatrical. Darren, I like this. Agonizing. Agonizing, Darren, for so many reasons. That goes that reminds me a little bit of exhausting. It was agonizingly exhausting. I think by the end of it, it was agonizingly boring. I think for the totality of it, it was agonizingly inconsistent. So a good choice of words there. David says Individuals. Seems like it, the way they played offensively. Michael says, schizophrenic. Yeah. Uh, Schizo, and I'm not a psychiatrist. I feel like schizo, we use that term in like a multiple personality disorder kind of context. though. Schizophrenia is a little bit different in a clinical sense, but when we use it for sports, whether it's incorrect or not, I think that applies to this team because you just are always a little bit uneasy around this team. You never felt like you could trust them or that what they did would make sense. So in that regard, sure, schizophrenic. Pete says, frustrating. Robert says, mercenary. And this from Tate, annoying. It was clear most of the season that this team lacked effort from its most important players. They would disappear at points and then turn it on for a late rally. The leadership was not existent from the upperclassmen. And as you've said, this was not an everyday guy's team. Tate, I want to end with this one. Annoying. Oh, it was annoying. And you heard it on the second half pods. You heard it on the midweek pods. I tried. I'm telling you, darn it, I tried. It was annoying. It just was. And I don't know if it had to be. I think our expectations coming in, while they might have been elevated early, it was the depths to which this team got in the Missouri games. The Penn State game at Northwestern, Indiana at home, Ohio State on the road, Penn State thrice now that you mention it, and the Arkansas game. Too many just depths. The first half of the Purdue game. Purdue was not good the last month and half of a season. Their best half in the last six weeks of the season was the first half against you. Why was this a recurring thing? What is the antonym to urgent? Lackadaisical? That's another word I'd throw out there. Lackadaisical. And it's a shame because when you're trying to build a culture and you've got some younger guys, and I, I take heart in the fact that I think the Ty Rogers of the world and the Luke Goodies and the R.J. Melendez's and the Sincere Harrises, they get it, that you cannot be lackadaisical. And it probably frustrated them to no end that they saw some of these veteran guys, though more specifically Matthew Meyer, and sometimes Terrence Shannon just being like, eh, whatever in the first half especially, lackadaisical, and why? And I think the annoying part that you mentioned, Tate, and the agonizing, the frustrating, the disappointing, all these other great words you guys threw out, for me, I run very hot and cold, right? And, well, no kidding. You've probably heard that in the podcast. But when I'm passionate about something, like music, I don't half-ass it. If I got a gig, and I don't play 30 gigs in a four-month span, so I'm not equating this to the, physical and mental toll that these guys deal with as athletes. But they were born to play this game. This is their life. This is what they're so good at. This is what they're getting a college education or perhaps even more for. And the idea that for some of them in their last year of eligibility would go out on the court and just, I don't get that. I have a really hard time reconciling that. And it made it quite annoying, as you said, Tate, this lackadaisical attitude, this lack of urgency. What the hell? This is it, guys. The Arkansas game. It was the same. There was no difference in watching that game than any of the games the three months prior. Every frustration and every annoyance is right there on display. And that was a single elimination game on the brightest or under the brightest lights on the biggest stage. I don't get that. So now that we got the catharsis out of there. And I got a lot of really nice comments about the postmortem podcast where it was a little bit more uh, animated than I anticipated it would be, but we're turning the page. I don't know if we are going to talk about this basketball team anymore, and that's okay. We're going to close the book on it, one hell of a season for sure in its own way, and we're going to focus on next year and beyond. And I do imagine some news will start trickling out sooner rather than later about Guys coming in or guys leaving, the rumor mill I'm sure will be pumping. That's why I wanted to address all the coaching carousel things, just just for fun. Get it out of the way early. Though maybe it's not the last time we'll talk about it. I don't know. But we are turning the page on this year's Fighting I basketball team. And exhale. <sighs> what a ride that was. All right. The 200 Level is brought to you by DPDO. All online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdo.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hanson, online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com com. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll get the video started again. Just had some weird timing today and just want to pop out a quick audio one midweek for you. And what we got? NCAA tournament. Yeah, my wife, Michigan State alum, excited to watch Michigan State tomorrow at 530. We'll be rooting for them. I, you know, hey, I've never had really a beef with Michigan State. Of course, when we play them, I want to beat them. Don't get anything misconstrued. But I'll be rooting for them. And after what happened, I know it's not directly correlated and it's not to relate a tragedy to just a game for God's sakes but after what happened to that campus a month month and a half ago I think that kind of distraction that positive distraction only helps and having been to that campus which is a great area and knowing what it means to my wife you know who I'm rooting for this weekend and I hope that they can represent it let's say Tom Izzo got to the final four with this Michigan State team all right well does does that end his career meaning I know he wants to end on a high note I think he wants to end with a national title and he doesn't strike me as someone that would leave just for a final four appearance but wouldn't be a bad swan song for him if he were to make it that far but yeah I I had more fun watching the NCAA tournament last weekend than I have in a long time and that's even with Illinois losing early I was watching games that night I think that that speaks to our willingness and our acceptance to, to move on from this team and now On the 200 level, we have closed the book on the 2023 Illini basketball team. And we move forward. We press on and await news. And God knows we'll be getting it probably sooner rather than later. In the meantime, everybody, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend. We'll be back, I don't know, soon. A few days, Sunday, Monday, something like that. And hopefully with plenty to talk about. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon, everybody. It is the 200 level.